Welcome to Deck Jokes, the world's only tarot comedy podcast. I am your host, Zayat Murphy, and my guest, my first guest, is comedian Sophia Florence. Thanks uh, for the introduction and getting it right, and uh, you'll be the only one, and everyone else can call me <laughs> Sophia Florence if you need to. I uh, mean, we've we've had this conversation before, and head empty, no thoughts, but I do remember names, or I try to anyways. <laughs> forget everything that isn't fine dining. <laughs> um, no, actually, like, I remember names, not like easily, but since I used to be a barista, I had to know a lot of people's names, and I would like triangulate between people's faces, their name, and their coffee order to remember who everyone was. Uh, that's so. a lot of information about everyone. I mean, but it's like, but there's a lot of people who have the same name. So if you can add like little bits of information about everyone um, that are not just the name, it, uh, I don't know, it worked for me. It, it took me, me a month to figure out my boss's name. <laughs> I um, His name is Kevin. Hi, Kevin. That's it. His name is Kevin. And just like Kevin. The, that I mean, it's Kevin something. I can't say who it is or where I work, but oh, I thought I thought you were gonna say it was like um, he's like Cher or Madonna and only has the one name. I wish <laughs> work would be much more interesting, and the uniform would be more flamboyant. It would. <laughs> so, um, how are you? I'm good. I can't complain. It's a uh, you know Saturday night. Um... It's uh, 2021, so we made it. We survived um, the the onslaught that was 2020. How are you? Um, I went grocery shopping today and saw many people whose bloodlines should end with them. Oh, rough. That bad? You just, like, it's an entire family walking around with their noses hanging out of their masks. And it's like... Oh, dick noses. Exactly. Yes. That's dick what noses. they call it. There, I saw a sign that said "no dick noses," and I was so confused. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a kind of a like a an Italian. Uh, I don't want to say like a epithet, but like a, it's like roughly dick face. But like a lot of times, I kind of think about it as like dick nose. And so, like, <laughs> like when I hear that, I'm. Uh, I've been using this term for so long and, and all of a sudden like people are using it and I was like, did the, did the joke get out? Did the inside joke like escape me or what is Who this? Who told everyone? Who told everyone that dick nose is a funny thing to call people? <laughs> um, okay. Let me get back into the podcasting. Um, mine's yeah, just. So how long have you been doing comedy? Oh, God. Um, I started in 2018, I think. Sounds about right. Okay. Sounds about so, right. 2018, like fall 2018. Yeah. Okay. So you, but you do like a lot of comedy. You do like a lot, a lot. So you must have grown exponentially in your like journey as a comedian <laughs> i don't know maybe i hope so uh yeah i started traveling to do shows after doing comedy for about two months um like paid shows and stuff um so uh which was high key an accident 
Um, I asked someone to book me just as an off chance that they would really not thinking that they were going to for like a, a showcase kind of thing. Um, and then it just worked out and they kept having me come back and then they stopped having me come back. I don't know why, um, but I uh, started booking at uh, another place, um, the, the Turf Restaurant Lounge in uh, Waterbury and um kept going to mass for shows and kind of other places just kind of traveling around so um yeah i guess i guess i probably was doing a lot of comedy obviously like the pandemic has kind of changed that a little bit tragically uh zoom shows are not really my forte i uh am a very body language heavy kind of person so um like, uh, I actually had a, a funny experience, experience when I was up in uh, Green Greenfield, Greenfield, Mass, Greenville, Greenfield. Greenfield sounds right. Greenfield. Uh, what's, I don't remember the, Hawks and Reed was the venue, and I was walking back and forth, and a friend of mine was the, another Canadian that was on that night, uh, was trying to get pictures of me, and literally could not find a second when I was standing still, and so she just... <laughs> made a gif of me moving because <laughs> <laughs> that was the best we were going to get and uh the, the gif is great I, I use it as a reaction for a lot of things now because it's very excited so uh yeah it's it's been weird not doing comedy as much uh also working on podcasts working on films and stuff which i think is probably like the best use of that uh i don't know skill set i don't know um Oh, I was going to say something. Oh, right. I was going to say, I I have not done any Zoom shows. They're not fun. It's I, they, they don't sound like... I hate the energy of an open mic. Same. I hate it. Same. I hate the energy of an open mic. And I don't want to bring that energy into my house where I live. Yeah. Especially yeah. now that I live in a studio apartment, so I can't even have like a room where we keep all the bad energy of a mic. <laughs> you have to because it's all the same. Sage room. your house afterwards. <laughs> Just say a couple of blessings over over the room. No, I I I don't have any. I don't have anywhere to hide. I guess so. I I just haven't done any any Zoom shows, and I don't think I'm missing out. I don't think you are. I have done probably 10 at this point, and um, I don't find them to be that entertaining. I I feel like I don't translate well to an audience of uh, people sitting in chairs not doing anything. Like, I want to interact with the audience, and if I can't really see them that well, then I can't do much about um, interacting with them. Yeah. And so it, it changes the dynamic. I don't I don't think it works for me. Uh, maybe uh, maybe that's that's my own problem. And I should probably think about that. But uh, I'm not too worried about it for now. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if there was someone who really thrived in a Zoom open mic environment or a Zoom um, like show environment, maybe stand up comedy is not the performance art they should get involved in no they should aim for like sit down comedy or <laughs> i don't know i don't, I don't know like the moth or something like uh with the, that show on npr comedy? where people are 
telling well, even sketch comedy. I don't feel like works that well through zoom. If, if anything, maybe even less, mm. uh, unless your sketch comedy is about people talking on zoom, which like you can only make so many of those people have been doing them, but uh, well, I mean, like I was thinking more sketch comedy in the sense that you can make it and then put it out into the internet and you're not interacting with like the oh, audience. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I can see that. But yeah, I, I don't think I'm missing out on anything with a Zoom show. I wouldn't recommend it. I, uh, Zero out of 10 would not recommend. No, no. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone recommends them. People are doing them to try to keep, uh, you know, making uh, money off of comedy and keep an audience and whatever. And uh, I'm just going to wait for the pandemic to end. People better take that damn vaccine, but that's it. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, I I have been doing... I have been on TikTok to try and keep some comedy skills alive. Um, and it, it doesn't, it's not really working out for me right now. And currently all I'm getting is abuse in the comments section. Rough. Yeah. Which is almost the same as being at an open mic. But yeah, but like, I can't even see this person's face. I've only I, found one open mic that I like doing. Uh, it's Bishop's, to share? Bishop's Corner in uh, Northampton. Okay. Wait, Bishop's Lounge? Bishop's Lounge, yeah. Bishop's Corner is in West Hartford. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Bishop's Lounge <laughs> is the place. Uh, why am I thinking Bishop's Corner? Maybe it's because on a corner. I don't know. I'm always thinking about Bishop's Corner because that's where Harry's Pizza is. And I love me some Harry's Pizza. I don't think I've had that. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. They have the only good gluten-free pizza crust I've ever had. I think I've been to Bishop's Corner with you, and we did not eat the pizza. No, we were in West Hartford Center. Oh, right. Which there is a Harry's in West Hartford Center, but it's not the Harry's that I go to. Is it a totally different thing? Um, no, it's it used to be the same franchise, and then I think um, I think the owners got divorced, and they each got one location oh, in the settlement. Weird. At least that's the that's the uh, the story weird. I'm told. But I don't keep up with um, like local pizzeria drama. No, <laughs> I'm sure there's somebody dedicated to that, but I'm sure there's a Twitter account somewhere. Yeah, I'm I'm on a, a social media hiatus. I'm taking a little break. Oh yeah, I saw that. Are you watched, uh, you doing okay? Yeah, yeah. I watched that uh that social dilemma movie and it freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> I I watched that and I was just like, oh god, I was like, this is so bad. <laughs> and like I'm sure it is like bad for my brain. Like I'm a, already like a scatterbrained weirdo. Like I feel like I don't need any more distraction in my life, so I'm trying to ease up on that stuff uh, i'd like to just go when i have content to post and uh ignore it when i don't uh i mean like my hobbies on there were ridiculous anyway like i you know trying to make a, a good post here and there and you know be funny and whatever and uh unfortunately my one post that goes viral is the one where i say napoleon dynamite is a bad movie which i <laughs> totally stand by <laughs> I actually have never seen Napoleon Dynamite. I think it sucks. I don't think it's funny at all. I know a lot of people really love that movie and swear by it. Uh, I had one person 
say that I should quit comedy because I don't like that movie. And like, I clearly don't understand jokes. Um, and like, <laughs> this completely went off on me. I was like, wow. Okay. I was like, that was, that was part of why I was like, maybe I need a break. from this. <laughs> uh, so it's such a negative energy. I felt, I felt bad for a minute, uh, only a minute, but I still felt bad for like a, like a period of time. Like, oh man. There was a non-zero amount of time in which I felt bad, and it was because of Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, it was because I said that I didn't like that movie. I, I have never seen Napoleon Dynamite, and at this point, I'm kind of not, like, afraid to watch it, but there are, like, a lot of movies from... I mean, there's just a lot of movies in general that I haven't seen, but there's a very large amount of cult classics from the early 2000s. I don't know if that's old enough to call them a cult classic, but really big movies from the early 2000s that everyone has seen and everyone loves. And then by the time I get to see it, it has aged poorly. And I'm just like, this this wasn't as good as like I didn't see Mean Girls for the first time until I was a freshman in college. Oh, I liked Mean Girls. After everyone was saying like, oh, my God, this is the best movie ever. I swear by it. And I saw it and I was like, it was okay. It was yeah. okay. I don't know. I don't know why I was somehow a bad person for not having seen it for the first 18 and a half years of my life. But Yeah. Yeah, I actually I actually just watched Mean Girls for the first time maybe like 2 or 3 months ago and I like it was it was good but like I I wouldn't like go, you know, screaming about it. I wouldn't be like Mean Girls is in the top 100 best movies of all time like and you're an idiot if you disagree. Yeah, that that's that's just a lot. I feel like you're allowed to like whatever kind of movies you like. And unfortunately, like my kind of cult classics are not like uh, usually like comedy cult classics. It's just like not my my genre for film. So right, uh, you're a you're a horror person. Yeah, for the most part, and like a lot of sci-fi. I do like like stuff that's. Uh, okay, my my favorite movie is a comedy cult classic, and it's Death to Smoochie, and I swear by that film. Um, it's written by Danny DeVito. Edward Norton is in it. Uh, Robin Williams is in it. Uh, John Stewart is in it. Uh, Harvey Firestein, and it's about um, children's TV show hosts, and uh, Robin Williams is the bad guy, which like he only does like. I, th I think it's just that movie and what was that a one hour photo or whatever you could tell me anything and i'd say yeah that sounds right uh <laughs> yeah i i think it's it's just those two movies where he ever plays a bad guy so like it's it's kind of nice seeing him play one but uh it's it's a funny movie edward norton wrote a lot of like silly songs for children that are not really good songs for children like your stepdad's not mean he's just adjusting <laughs> <laughs> um but that's that's like the whole humor of the film is that like it's, it's everything's kind of off and like there's like a like like one woman who's like a groupie for like kids tv show hosts and like Sam, you need help <laughs> yeah it's it's super bizarre and i mean you know seeing edward norton play like the the softest guy in the universe and robin williams play like a corrupt kids tv show host that makes a bag of penis cookies for Edward Norton's character. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, it's uh, such a good movie. I'll have to watch it. 
I think I have it on a flash drive somewhere. <laughs> oh my god, that is old school. Gotta have flash drives with movies. I love it. Um, okay, so who who would you say are your comedy influences? Because I mean, like you're a big horror person. So are there are there like big comedic influences? Or do you uh, just do you just yeah. do your own thing? Yeah, I I grew up watching a lot of stand-up comedy. I so I feel like like comedy movies and stand-up comedy are like a two two very different things and like Definitely. you can do both. Um but like my my stand-up comedy influences um unfortunately like most of them are canceled at this point from doing bad things, uh which like happens. I mean like I grew up uh, listening to Bill Cosby as himself on uh, on a record player that my family had, um, which obviously like we don't talk about Bill Cosby anymore for for reasons. For um, reasons. But um, yeah, I I really loved him when I was growing up. Um, I loved uh, Mitch Hedberg, who uh, is not canceled; he's just dead. Um, <laughs> uh, I really liked um, a lot of the older Jim Gaffigan stuff. Uh, love jim gaffigan jim gaffigan survived he's he's not been canceled he's he's just doing fine i mean jim gaffigan's like jim gaffigan my favorite jim gaffigan joke is you don't love salad you love salad dressing which (laughs) is true is true and timeless and ultimately harmless and i feel like if you're doing a harmless comedy like you're gonna be okay that's true yeah i don't feel like i do harmless comedy which is weird because i really like very harmless comedians like mitch hedberg and jim gaffigan uh but i also like really loved louis ck like in his uh kind of at his peak before uh you know before he got canceled Mastergate, if you will (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i i don't think i ever heard it called that and i'm surprised i I haven't either it was that was a spur of the moment (laughs) i'm i'm surprised Uh that didn't because everyone loves tacking gate onto something yeah that's what i'm saying anytime there's a scandal it's a gate i think that we should uh tack it onto that in particular um i was listening to 2021 (laughs) <laughs> to Dave Chappelle talk about that the other day and he was like he's a terrible person but like in a way like I'm kind of jealous because like I do that all the time and like not in front of anybody but like you know uh it's never been newsworthy before <laughs> uh which oh god it's like the best amount of levity you could add to that situation because it's yeah it's a terrible situation like uh sucks but I uh really loved uh his his last special before all of that kind of came down the pipe was uh no pun intended uh was to me really funny um he did like he did a joke about being trans and i do a lot of jokes about being trans because i am trans um but his his joke about it was that like he's kind of jealous of trans people because like we kind of know who we are and he's like i have no idea who i am on like any given day and like i'm still kind of just like floating through the world and i wish that one day i would just wake up and realize that i was an owl (laughs) (laughs) uh so i love that that was like it it was like a sweet way of like coming at like that kind of joke like it it was like a trans joke that was harmless um but he also did like a masturbation joke and a suicide joke and an abortion joke on the same set so it's like wow so you know we're going in all different directions here running the range of topics uh and uh when I was a kid, I watched uh, the show Dr. Katz a lot, which was like um, 
was this therapist and uh it was a cartoon um but it was a therapist and all of his patients were like stand-up comedians and so like parts of their set would become the session and uh (laughs) it's the same people that made home movies and some of the same people that were behind archer and um uh, okay. what's, what's his name? H. John Benjamin is a voice on that show. And like H. John Benjamin, you can hear him as like a, like a teenager, like young twenties in that show. So it's like really weird. But yeah, that show Dr. Katz was like a kind of a foundational thing for me with comedy too. Um, I grew up watching that as like early days of comedy central and like, um, one of the ones that I always remembered was, was a Jim Gaffigan one. And he's, he's talking about uh, how he feels bad for manatees. And he's like, you know, that animal looks like a guest on Ricky Lake. <laughs> <laughs> and he does this whole bit about like the manatee being on Ricky Lake. And somebody's like, yeah, I got a question for the sea pig. <laughs> he says, no, it's sea cow. <laughs> My name is manatee. And this is such a good like, <laughs> it's a good bit. When, uh, when I was a kid. When I was a kid, um, I have I have a sister, and um, I mean I still have a sister. I'm not a kid anymore, but um, we would go to the matinees at the movie because they were cheaper. And my sister would always say that she wanted to go to the manatee. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad no one ever took her there. I feel like a manatee would. Are manatees gentle? Are they? Are I they think nice? so. Okay, because I, I feel like nice. I just worry that a manatee could be like a rhino where it like looks gentle, but like it's or, or a hippo where it like looks kind of gentle. Like a hippo doesn't look like a mean animal. But like hippos kill a lot of people every year. Yeah. Most um, dangerous animal in Africa. No, I think I think manatees are gentler. I've never been up close to one, so I'm not going to say like for sure but i think manatees tend to be nicer because i read it in a book when i was a kid yeah the places manatees live are not places that i want to go especially right now like florida it's just not i never even wanted to go to florida before the pandemic i know a lot of people in florida that are just like no everything's great here everything's fine things are totally normal nobody's got the coronavirus and i'm like everyone like everyone has the coronavirus <laughs> you guys, what are you doing? I, I think it's time for the uh, semi-annual petition to circulate that says, get rid of Florida. We just, like, let it be its own nation? Like, Bugs Bunny saw it off of the continent. Oh, I'm with that. Yeah, we could, <laughs> we could do that with Florida. Like, it'll just be an island nation of uh, retirees. Yeah. <laughs> retirees and alligators. God, what a scary place. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. People that I know that say say there's no cases there, they're like, ah, cases are only up because they're testing more. Like, if you didn't have any testing, you wouldn't have any cases. And I'm like, that's not how things work. <laughs> that's, that's not like, how anything works. That's like saying there's nothing in your cabinet until you open it. Like <laughs> Schrodinger's no. virus. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> like, <laughs> um. So you talked about like a lot of your comedy influences are um, canceled in some form or another. Yeah. So did you ever try to like write in the style of someone to get 
a feel for what you found funny or did you just like always do did you just like oh god uh i don't know i process like um so i don't i don't i don't feel like i write jokes in like a very typical way like um i don't i don't like set out and sit down with a notebook and be like i'd like to i'd like to compose a joke and like (laughs) i just um i will uh say something that gets a rise out of someone uh more or less by accident like i just tend to default to making jokes about a lot of things all the time that's just the kind of person i am so um i will say something like that and if somebody laughs then i write it down and i say okay like we're gonna you know do a, a joke about this or um so you like yeah. catch jokes in the wild yeah 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 it's, it's <laughs> like it's like pokemon uh <laughs> I have to walk around with my phone a lot and like tell jokes to, to the barista at Starbucks and uh, you know, whoever hands me my burgers at Burger King or whatever. And, uh, so it's, and just it's hope a really, that I say something funny. So it's a really organic process. Yeah. Yeah. I've never really tried to, to write uh, in anyone's style or like, uh, you know, sit down and like try to feel out anybody else's jokes. Um, I, think uh, all of it is just like whatever kind of comes naturally to me like feels uh more like a conversation okay because when i sit down i don't like i'm i rarely sit down and i'm like i'm gonna write a joke but like i'll think of something funny and i'll try and make it funny to other people and that involves a lot of like writing and workshopping so it's it's less of a spur of the moment process for me i i like i try to sit down and plan my jokes there's an idea. Yeah. I mean, if, if I write something and it isn't like initially that funny, like if I try it at an open mic or I try it at a show, uh, like, like I have a rule, like even if it's a paid show, I'll always try one new joke. Uh, if it fails, whatever, you just throw it out. Or, uh, you know, if it's like, if it's like, I got like a, like a mild chuckle out of someone, I'll be like, okay, like there's something there. It's just like, I got to workshop it and then i'll call another comedian and be like what do you think about this particular joke like where can i go with this what would make this suck less so that people would laugh at it because also like sometimes it's just like the audience like like different people will laugh at different kinds of jokes like there's no definitely definitely it it really like depends on who's in the audience to determine if a joke is good or not and it kills me because there's some jokes that like i write where i'm like this is hilarious but it's really only funny to me and I haven't found an audience that wants to hear about uh, toe flip-flops yet. Toe flip-flops? Well, yeah, you know, there's like socks that have an individual thing for your toes and there's shoes that have an individual thing for your toes. So I don't know why we don't have a sandals version of that. So like sandals with like five straps? Yes. Yeah, that checks out as like a thing that should be normal. (laughs) But we don't have it. And but I, I feel like why. it would make the sound of like a like a deck of cards being shuffled like <laughs> as you walked because like like the toes, you know, largely still have like a, you know, they hit the ground at a slightly different time. I don't think I don't think your toes all hit at once. I don't know now that I'm thinking about this. I'm like, let me walk and see like <laughs> which of my toes hit the ground first. But I feel like you'd get like a like a kind of noise like but no one no one is ready to hear about toe flip-flops at an open mic 
No, probably not yet. I think you're, I think you're just ahead of the curve on that one. Oh. You're right. I am too smart for an open mic. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, before we move into the actual cards part of this podcast, um, I'll explain a little bit about how it's going to work. We're going to have a card for your past, a card for your present, and a card for your future as a comedian. And um, if if there's anything about like numerology or color symbolism or anything like that that you see in the cards you want to talk about, definitely feel free to bring it up. I have prepared handy-dandy reading materials. Yeah, so you ready to move into reading cards? Yeah, yeah, let's let's do some card reading. All right, so let's start with your past, because that's a good place to start. <laughs> All right, so for your past as a comedian, we have an upright, I think that's the eight of cups. Would you care to describe? Uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of cups but um it looks like kind of looks like uh like a like a golden chalice but like somebody didn't really understand how to draw like depth when these cards were drawn so it's like uh they drew like a spaghetti on top and they were like that's roughly <laughs> what it should look like that looks or like a, a like ten tentacle suckers yeah tentacle suckers that's a good way of putting it so the um the eight of cups upright symbolizes involvement, developing personal relationships within a group, favorable environment for relationships, or a feast or family uh, event. Well, I definitely don't think um, feast or family event makes any sense. Uh, so we're going to just ignore that. Um, <laughs> that's, that's never happened to me during comedy. Um, what was the first one? I felt like that one kind of makes sense involvement involvement yeah i feel like uh you know like the past has been uh you know up, up till now has been getting to know people i feel like comedy for me is like uh I, I know like a lot of comedians feel this way i know no one wants to admit it but like part of it is about like validation and like oh definitely you're like i want someone to laugh at my jokes like like especially 100 like... i'm not even gonna pretend that i don't get a lot of personal satisfaction yeah out of the validation that comes when people laugh yeah, at my jokes. I, I was I was married and my wife never laughed at my jokes. Oh no. <laughs> and she she would tell me I'm not funny and I was like, now I get paid for it, bitch. She's <laughs> funny now. Um so uh yeah. I mean and you you jumped like right into the comedy scene too. Like you got involved Yeah, I super used quick. to book um shows that were both comedy and music. So there were some people that I had already known uh for for a bit of time and you know like uh, had lost touch with but um were people that like I recognized they recognized me to some extent. Um <clears throat> actually remember booking Brian Bargainer when he was like a year into doing comedy uh, <laughs> like many, many years ago. And uh, so it was cool bumping into him again because I loved him when I first met him. I remember him uh, doing jokes about uh, the abortion Falcon, which uh, is still like... Wait, I've heard that joke before. I'm trying to recall it. It's literally just like, uh, it's it's he's talking about like how when you're a kid, they tell you that like a stork delivers babies and he's just like so hear me out abortion falcon and like that's like the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> and, like, okay i have heard that joke before that's a good one 
that's I think one. that's like the funniest joke I can think of. So I I love that one, and I'm so glad that uh, I got to hear that. But yeah, I, I feel like I've definitely gotten to like know people and like build some kind of community in that scene. And like uh, the person that I uh, book shows with now is somebody that I met through doing comedy in Waterbury, and uh, we've become really, really, really close. Like um, almost like a like a family relationship. So I guess in a way, like yeah, maybe there is like a, like a family element to that. Like I, I think Kevin and I have become uh, really, really close. Like I, I wrote a whole movie script about him. Kevin's more important to me than most people, you know, we just met like a few years ago and I've been doing comedy together, but. Yeah. And I mean, I know when I started doing comedy, I desperately wanted to be involved. Yeah. Like not necessarily on the booking side of things or doing things outside of um, doing things outside of stand-up just to start. I wanted to get to know people in the comedy scene because I wanted to do comedy and you can't like really do that without knowing people. And um, it's not that that backfired, but I realized that I don't necessarily want to do the things that other people in comedy are doing. So it's like this weird it's a weird balance being involved, but also, I don't know, finding yeah, out you don't I, fit. I, I feel like a me. lot of times it's just like drinking after shows or whatever to, to get to know people. Like that's been kind of my experience. Um, and I'm, I'm not a heavy drinker, but there, there definitely have been a couple nights where uh, I ended up drunk with other comedians, like uh, someone somewhat unintentionally. Uh, <laughs> definitely. Uh, it was one towards the beginning of this summer uh, this past year um they tried doing i don't i don't know if they uh, kept it up for very long but they did a couple of shows at zen bar with like limited capacity and like the comedians all had to wait outside um and like sit on the the porch and you would basically uh come in for your set and like do comedy to the people that were like sitting and eating um do comedy at people not for people yeah it was very strange um it was it was a fun it was a fun night um but it ended up being like 12 drunk comedians like on the porch of the zen bar it was just pretty chaotic yeah that does sound chaotic <laughs> okay are you ready to move on to talking about your present as a comedian yeah which is very interesting when i talk about the present with uh, like with anyone as their um as as it relates to their career in some type of performing art, because everyone's like, yeah, it's pandemic. <laughs> All right. Um, so for the present, we have an upright okay. six of swords. What do you see here? Um, honestly, it looks like somebody uh, took some, some guns and like twisted them together, like Bugs Bunny style. <laughs> but uh, instead of, uh, making like a like one circular knot it's like uh they did like celtic knots with four guns and so there's four angry elmer fuds somewhere off the card um looks <laughs> funny um yeah so the the swords in this deck are curved which is to differentiate them from wands because the wands in this deck are just like straight yeah. rods. So the swords are curved, which is, 
I don't know, it puts me in mind of like a like a sickle or a scimitar. Yeah, yeah, definitely more of a scimitar kind of vibe. But these are all knotted together. People just uh, tied them together like uh, basket weaving or some shit. All right, and an upright six of swords uh, symbolizes adaptation, accepting limitations, and learning to maneuver within them, respecting the present order, and compromising to make the best of your situation. Oh, that last one sounds like the <laughs> pandemic in a nutshell. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, obviously, like, I uh, can't uh, do comedy out anywhere right now. Uh, so, um, you know, I moved more into screenwriting, um, which uh, has been fun. I have a, like a short film that uh, is almost, almost finished. It's coming out soon. Uh, it's a little less comedy it is a silent oh i wouldn't say silent film in the traditional sense like uh, it just like happens that there's no dialogue it wasn't really like intentional that way it's but it's just one character that finds out um that he ate his dog oh oh lord um i i feel like you could turn that into a comedy if you had very dramatic silent era um piano music going on in the background yeah it um <laughs> it's it's like uh horror comedy for people that uh you know might might uh look at filmmakers like uh my my big influence as a filmmaker is probably uh biggest at this point is uh Yorgos Lanthimos who's the guy that uh, wrote The Lobster and Killing the Sacred Deer um yeah it's 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 absurdist um it's it's not like a it's it's not a particular it's not like a particularly scary movie, but it was because there was a there was a prompt and there's a group of uh, people that I like to to make film with, and uh, so uh, we found this prompt for this contest last year, and uh, it said, "What was it? Uh, you know, the char character hears two knocks on the door and wakes up, and uh, goes to the door, and it's the scariest thing you could possibly imagine at the door." And, you know, we're just kind of joking around, you know, uh, talking about this concept. And I said, oh, what if uh, it's his dog and he ate it? And it's just a joke. Oh, but Oh, I figured like, because, you know, there's, there's, there's like a whole, you know, series of things that we came up with, like that could have been like interesting things to see at the door, like a, like a stack of dead bodies. And it's like, oh, God, I've killed them all. Uh, but like the funniest thing we could think of is like, oh, it's your dog and you ate it sorry you ate the dog and wait but how i mean you don't have to tell me if you don't want to spoil the short form the short film but like how does that is it like the the ghost of the dog knocks on the door and says why uh you don't see the dog um you see him throw up a fur ball oh god <laughs> uh and it's it's got a very like a uh, color out of space kind of vibe going on that 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 uh nicholas cage hp lovecraft film that came out last year um Okay. And and so it's got a lot of that like kind of uh like bright colors and weird lights and things. Okay. Um, but like there's also like other signs around the house that he had eaten his dog like um he goes to turn off his TV and the remote is a dog bone covered in blood. Ugh. Obviously it doesn't work. Um but the, there's also like a <laughs> a sandwich that we made. <laughs> I'm afraid oh to ask. Um, and so we bought like a bunch, like an abundance of fake fur. Okay. And so like I dipped the fake fur in the fake blood that we made. Uh, and, it's, and I took a bite out of the bread 
and put the fake fur on the sandwich and there's like chips and everything next to it is like a very nice sandwich plate, <laughs> like well-plated sandwich. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a dog fur sandwich <laughs> coated in blood. Uh, and uh, when he goes to turn off the TV, uh, you can actually see like pictures of uh, if, if you look really closely, it's, it's like a bunch of static, but in the static there's inserted pictures of, of dogs and things like that. So um <laughs> like there's all of these like weird kind of like little symbolism things but like it's it's not hard to figure out that he ate his dog uh it's it's made clear but we did it with no dialogue so it's got to be a lot of visual uh give but we also didn't want to like make a dead dog like that's too depressing yeah so. that's that's a little bit that's a bit much uh, but also, he ate the dog, so uh, there's probably, uh, you know, presumably nothing left. Do you have a disclaimer at the end where it's like, no dogs were harmed in the making of this film? Uh, I don't think anyone needs it. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, you, I, I don't think anyone would see it and think that, like, a dog was harmed. So I, I would hope that they wouldn't. Uh, uh, maybe I'll, People I'll will... talk to the editor and <laughs> People will see whatever they want to see. Um, yeah, like uh, comedy right now is all about adapting um, and figuring out how to work within. I mean, some people aren't taking any type of limitations right now, and that's frustrating. But it, yeah, it, it's like right now the the whole game is like, how do I keep being funny when I can't go do shows? Especially like now that yeah. it's winter, because I saw, you know, people were doing a ton of like outdoor mics and outdoor shows over the summer, but it's January yeah. now. Yeah, it's much harder at this point. I mean, one of the reasons I started doing this podcast is because like I wanted to do something comedy adjacent, but still still maintain distance from people and not not be the person who ruins it for everyone. Yeah, of course. So. Of course. Unlike Florida. <laughs> Unlike Florida. Just uh, we'll get Bugs Bunny on that right away. All right. Do you want to move on to talking about your future? Sure. All right. Would you like to describe? Uh, well, it's clearly a two of cups. Um, there's uh, a flower that looks like a sunflower that is blooming. What looks like either like two dragons or like a very depressed fish and like a very happy fish coming out of it. It's a fish flower. But also another flower coming out of it and then there's two cups on the side that also look like people drew spaghettios on top um, <laughs> and then there's just like this really elaborate seal for some reason at the bottom yeah yeah some kind of coat of arms for uh presumably some some french people presumably okay so the two of cups symbolize an upright two of cups symbolizes partnership a romantic relationship or a close personal alliance Interpersonal dynamics based on social norms, passion in a love relationship, which may turn against itself. Is anything speaking to you? Uh, say that one more time. Partnership, a romantic relationship or a close personal alliance, interpersonal dynamics based on social norms, passion in a love relationship, which may turn against itself. Huh. Uh, so the last one doesn't seem too relevant to me. Um, 
but uh yeah i would say i would say like uh like like relationships uh i mean like it was you know kind of kind of uh gone at one of the last ones but uh i think a lot of um uh, what I'm working on and what I intend to do with the future has a lot to do with, um, you know, working with certain people uh, that I like working with and uh, continuing to work with them as I have in the past year or so. And um, I've been working on filming one movie for a year. We have to keep pausing because of the pandemic. So, uh, but uh, Kevin, uh, you know, my co-host is the person that I'm working at with that. And I, see Kevin very much as like a partner in that sense. And like, I'm super excited to like keep working on that with him uh, as well as like getting back to hosting comedy. Um, and uh, yeah, there's, you know, other people that I met through this time too, that really feel like, um, like family, like people that I feel uh, like an instant uh, closeness or attachment to that. I'm like excited to, continue working with uh i'd really hope to keep working with rob santos he's in the movie we've been working on uh he's extraordinarily funny i love hanging out with him it's like a he has good people one of the better people i've gotten to to have down uh for a show that i booked but also um the his his performance for me is great i have i think probably like six or seven minutes of uh consecutive film of him destroying pieces of toast by buttering them too hard <laughs> uh and i mean like that that was the direction for the scene i was like just because like like i'm sure everyone's done that at one point where like you have like your butter is too cold and your toast is just like slightly too well done and you just like destroy the toast yes in the process of buttering it and so i was like can you just do that for this scene <laughs> 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 oh my god i'm i'm having like and, an uncomfortable sensory experience just imagining all the crumbs that would produce uh yeah it's a bit of a, a bit of a pain to clean up afterwards <laughs> um but uh i mean he was he was great his uh his um like presence for for the movie was great he did things that we didn't expect and we had to cut sometimes because uh we were laughing too hard at things he did um like one of the first takes in the movie is is uh he plays kevin's roommate in the film um i'm not gonna spoil what the film is about but they're they're having a conversation in the kitchen and um before we started filming i was filming it in my kitchen at the time and i said uh you know i don't know if i should like do the dishes before we film or like leave the dishes undone like i think it might be funnier to have a sink full of dirty dishes like just kind of like inherently a funnier thing to have like kind of like a messy house in the in a movie because you never really see that you never see a sink full of dishes in a movie like people no. make the set look perfect and i was just like i'm not i'm not interested in that film like, you never see the like depression clutter yeah and like when people are like doing laundry it's always like uh you know uh plot adjacent no one is just doing laundry in a film which is weird because like there are things that we do all the time that like like n it are never in a film so that was like something that i was thinking about when i was writing that script is like what are things that like i know that i do all the time and rob did one of them without prompting which was uh reach into the sink grab a dirty piece of silverware and start eating food with it oh god <laughs> oh no Oh, um, no. But he had he had actually taken a clean spoon out of a drawer and dropped it into the sink specifically to do oh, this. Okay. Okay. Uh, but it was, 
uh, it looks perfect. And so he like shuffles all of the dishes around for like a, a solid <laughs> few seconds. This is like all of this noise. Uh, and then grabs the spoon out and he starts pointing it at Kevin. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever watched. And the first time he did it, we didn't know he was going to do it. So he had to just stop filming uh, briefly to <laughs> kind of let that happen. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to, to see all, all the people that I really love in, uh, you know, Northampton area again. There's a lot of um, comedians that I'm close with there and uh, excited to, to work with again as all of this uh, pandemic stuff goes away and we can kind of get back to uh, maybe not totally regular life, but, uh, you know, some some semblance of normalcy. Yeah. I want to say real quick, um, every single card that you've drawn is an even number and even numbers like each individual number has its own kind of uh, symbolism but even numbers generally signify like balance harmony um i i just think that's interesting libra gang <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't i don't know what that's about that's uh I like I do feel like um, I like am maybe like a stereotype of Libras. I feel like I'm like the kind of person who's like constantly striving to seek some sense of balance and, um, you know, have like harmony in my life, uh, even though that that can be, uh, you know, pretty difficult at times, uh, especially if you're somebody with like a not super harmonious life to begin with, which I think that was just kind of like a case with me so i'm always trying to take uh take the world and bend it back into shape a little bit awesome um so do you want to really quickly tell the story of sophia florence using these cards um yeah sure so i, I guess like using these cards so like the first one um let's say you know coming into it getting acquainted with people and like kind of like building connections and so uh, I would say, like, my, you know, my my journey into comedy was, like, starting off at uh, this place called uh, John Bale Bookstore in Waterbury. Uh, that's actually right next to the place that we typically host comedy, the Turf. Um, so, weird being a trans person that hosts comedy at a place called Turf. <laughs> but, you know, I'll just roll with it. Um, but I, uh, yeah, started, started doing it there, and... Um, Kevin and I started becoming friends um, and started, uh, you know, doing more comedy and uh, I started traveling around a bit and then I said, okay, well, I want to book like a regular comedy night in Waterbury. And so Kevin and I were asking around places for a couple months and there was one place that I really wanted to do it at, but the bartender there kept kind of not like blowing me off, but it just never got back to me about things, like, you know. Uh, and so Kevin said, okay, I got turf. We can do turf. Uh, we got a date in three weeks. And so I started doing that. And uh, from there, it was like kind of uh, building that. And then obviously, uh, you know, the pandemic happened, uh, which sucked because we were, we were, our last show before the pandemic hit, like in uh, February last year was like perfect. Like just a lot of people there, like had a good time. Um, it sucked because Kevin actually didn't make it that night. I had to host by myself. I was super nervous. I invited everyone that I knew and uh, something, something like 40 people turned up, 40, 50 people like. Oh, damn. Yeah, it was like people that I knew from like the rest of my life. It was uh, there was almost nobody there for regulars that night. Uh, it's like a very weird situation. Um, 
And it was like right as we were starting to get news that like a pandemic might hit the U.S., uh, but we were still not quite uh, in that shape yet. So that that actually might have been like the first week of March or something. Like, I don't know, I'm not actually sure, but sometime last year. Oh, we get to say last year now. Yeah. Yeah, we do. It's uh, 2021. Thank God. Woo-hoo. Made it. But yeah, it was, uh, you know, obviously uh, the pandemic uh, made things hard. He started, uh, you know, going on Twitter a lot and trying to build some comedy stuff there. And I did like get a, a fair amount of followers and stuff, but um, I don't think I'm I'm cut out for being funny on social media. That's not like my... Twitter is hard. Twitter is great for people who are good with like single one-liner jokes and like that's kind of their niche that they fit into. Uh, I uh, am not cut from that cloth. I like long, weird jokes. I don't even like doing a five-minute set because I feel like I'm so limited to like the amount of things that I can do in that amount of time. Anything under 15 minutes doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, yeah, you know, I was trying to, you know, build some some new community during that time. I did meet some cool people from around the country and like uh, excited to to work with them and, and kind of uh, share share space and community with them. Hopefully the, the future is this uh, this two of cups and like keep going with the, the people that I feel really connected with and building new things and uh, making movies and making funny jokes and I'm um, hoping that I can uh, book in some more spaces. I'm living in Groton now instead of Waterbury, so I'm hoping that I can have uh, you know a space in Waterbury, a space in maybe Middletown, and a space in maybe New London or Groton proper, and um, you know, or maybe even Mystic. I don't know, um, you know, some place on this side of the state that borders Rhode Island. Ooh, Rhode Island. Yeah, it's only thirty minutes away from me now. It's weird. All right. Well. That was Sophia Florence. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yes. Is there anything you would like to advertise um, now that we have come to the end of the episode? Um, Ooh, stuff to advertise. Well, we we have that movie, um, a short film, um, Man's Best Friend coming out. Um, It's a short film, but if, you know, somebody sees it and they like to... uh, you know, contribute to our filmmaking group. Uh, it will kind of strictly be stuck going into filmmaking stuff anyway. Uh, we can always use uh, new equipment or, um, you know, uh, even just kind of subsidizing the cost of our time spent filming and screenwriting and editing and everything else. All of us have, you know, normal day jobs and things. Um, and, uh, got two podcasts coming out one is called into the movies of madness which is a look at uh, horror films and sci-fi films and things like that with uh, another comedian liz thompson and i am working on one with uh somebody graduated college with me uh it's called attacking the internet uh which will be like a conspiracy theory debunking kind of thing um but also i guess not just conspiracy theories but like general misconceptions so see how that goes all right and any uh any social media um, or are you gonna stay on that high uh, i mean if people want to follow me on twitter and see what i'm doing uh my twitter handle is at alana smithy a-l-l-a-n-a and smithy s-m-i-t-h-e-e and uh yeah that's that's where i am on those um 
and I'm Sophia Florence Comedian on Facebook. I have a, a Facebook page that you can follow. If I have shows, I post them there. I think that's it. All right. And just a reminder to everyone listening, you can find me on all social media at Zayat Murphy, Z-A-Y-I-T-M-U-R-P-H-Y. And you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram as at DeckJokesPod. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Deck Jokes is produced by me, Zayat Murphy. The theme music is Low Self Opinion by The Not Mikes, and the album artwork was designed by Akino Fukawa.